Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 296 of the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. And I'm Timothy Harvey. And we're very close. We're very, very, very close. To 300. I know, right? It's just... Uh... Oh, my goodness gracious. There's Dave in the chat. Good evening to you as well. Good to see you there. And uh, here we go. It, you know what we should have done? Uh-huh. When we were talking about recasting, <laughs> we should have recast the show. I was actually, uh, if there if there had been a way for me to actually get one of the cats to just sit here and stare directly at the screen, right? Um, although, although um, I don't know if you caught this, but there there's the did you hear about the lawyer who went on to a because this is back in the in the in the depths of the pandemic when everything was virtual and all the court proceedings were all virtual. yeah i i heard about that no i really am a person not a cat yeah he couldn't figure out how to turn off the image it's like (laughs) no i am not a cat and the judge was just yeah not impressed (laughs) you know and it's and it's funny because there are people who are of an age who probably would identify with that guy and oh sure you know probably have had it happen to them uh more than more than once so but it's a it's a reminder that you know when when going into a professional setting (laughs) for all that for all that a lot of that relaxed over the last couple of years for obvious reasons you know that whole period of time where it's like if you if you were from your home and you had family or pets if your kids came into the room it was like a it was scandalous oh, yeah. that your kids would be seen here. Yeah, your your dog would run into the room, and now it's like, oh, hey, what a lovely child mm. you have there. That's a gorgeous dog. Oh, that cat is so cute. Because we're, you know, that's just we've all been there at this point. Yeah. So that that's that sort of uh, illusion that it all has to be perfect all the time. It does uh, have to be perfect all the time. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, it all right. Well, here. No. Robert says he finally got a cup warmer that fits the twenty ounce cups. That's that's a that's a good that's a good solution to to a problem there. That's that's mm-hmm. I like that. All right, maybe we should sell a twenty ounce mug. We've got a we've got a couple of options. We're um well I I say that we're working on it. I'm I'm mm-hmm. playing email tag with the with the vendor, but. One of these days, we'll get there. So, you know, it's like everything else. It's a process. So It's a process. No speaking, speaking of processes, casting process for, for film and television and, and even stage, I guess, would, mm-hmm. would come into sure. this. There are times where you have characters that have been recast for whatever reason, and... We, but we, I don't know how we got to talking about it the other day, how this idea came up to to talk about this as a topic. It was something. I, yeah, I, I can't remember. I was thinking about that uh, yesterday, actually. It's like, what did we come up with? What was the, the impetus for this? But 
Yes, Mrs. Boss in the chat mentions Bowfinger. All right, so I guess I need to tell this story. Because it does, it does fall into, it does fall sort of peripherally into our topic tonight. Okay. <clears throat> so, m- Saturday night, Mrs. Boss got me in front of Bowfinger. I'd never seen it before. This is the movie starring Steve, A- Steve Martin, <laughs> Steve Allen, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Heather Graham. And I I'm I'm watching this film. Have you seen it? Okay, yeah. You I'm watching this movie. And it's I've I've never seen it before. I never really had very much interest in any right. any of it. I've n- I've never been a huge Eddie Murphy fan. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And I'm watching this movie and it's funny. Mm-hmm. In a ludicrous, ridiculous, farcical kind of way, right? But I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm watching this film, and as it plays out, I lost count of how many times I had in my head. It doesn't work that way. You can't do it that way. It doesn't work that way. The equipment right, right. won't do that. You can't do that with the microphone. Wait a minute. Where's the other camera? Yeah, you, yeah. I I kept I kept coming I I kept coming out of the of the thing. You know, it, I was mm-hmm. blown sure, out right. of the story yeah. because I know too much. And I said, it doesn't work that way. Because they'd go back and they'd watch the dailies on the on the 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 uh, you know the. Uh, um, uh, the movieola, and there'd be sound, and there'd be edits, and there'd be comments like, "No, you, it it doesn't just come out of the camera and right. you look at it like that. It just doesn't right. work yep. that way." Uh, uh, but and and it and it it didn't ruin my enjoyment of it, but I didn't like it as much as maybe I otherwise would if I didn't know how the process was done. Because I'm I'm looking right. at this and right. I'm thinking, there's just no way. There's just absolutely no way. Well in some degree it's like it's we don't see a lot of movies like that necessarily anymore because there's there's a particular type of comedy where that sort of this heightened ludicrousness mm-hmm. where things like that just Sure, that's how things are, and the, you. We seem to have been a little more accepting of the things that we knew just were not that way. Yeah, and, but f- because they're playing it for comedy, and I think that 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 particular kind of of silliness in a picture in a in a comedy just hasn't um, just has gone out of vogue. Kind of like romantic comedies are kind of just you know we don't you don't see romantic comedies the way you used to right and because and and part of that part of that comes down to economics because romantic comedies do not do well overseas they don't they they only do well within the market of the country that they're in yeah. honestly the only about the only country that's able to pull off the romantic comedy and and go outside their borders is Bollywood though the India with the Bollywood pictures because they've got there's people all over the world who just love Bollywood pictures. Right. So that has bigger reach, but the American uh, romantic comedy. Yeah. Well, Robert, it was. <laughs> it was ludicrous. Twilight. Twilight wasn't a romantic comedy. I don't know. 
Yeah, you know, Bowfinger saying he can make a film for $2,000. That part I could get because sure. I've made a feature film for about, you know, two, $3,000. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is possible. Sure. But you're talking a lot of deferrals. Deferrals until the day that the my, money tree grows. Okay, my movie got made and it got finished. And I suppose this has been a bugaboo for me because the French subtitles are really essentially the only thing standing in the way of me finishing the whole thing, finished, done, and putting the DVD out mm-hmm. there for, for, you know, like a print-on-demand type of thing through, through Amazon. And I just, it, I just haven't done it. And, you know, and because it's that you have to edit the because the subtitles are a graphic. Right. They're an image. They're not a text. It is. It is a huge pain. I have had we've we've had uh, a few of the training videos that I do for my company. Um, Back when we were doing live in person trainings, of course, the last few years that hasn't it's all been virtual. Yeah. But we would have questions from the from the audience and of course you want to be able to have those questions be heard well you've got your presenters mic'd but you don't have your audience particularly you know mic you <coughs> i have multiple mics i put I, I try to get as much coverage as i can but inevitably there's somebody whose voice just is like <laughs> yeah and it's a good question and you want people to be able to hear it <clears throat> but you can't so you got to subtitle it and it was like Oh no. They ask it's a 30 second question. I'm going to be here all day. Right? <laughs> <sighs> and and to 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 answer uh Robert's question about how many years I've been working on the French subtitles. Um I shot this movie in 2008. And he has not been working on them nonstop. I have not been working on them nonstop since 2008. It is to be fair. Where is, you know, now that I'm looking at all of this stuff, I'm I'm wondering where the where the project files are even anymore. Oh no, <laughs> right? That's a scary feeling, like, right? Oh, it, it's entirely possible that I dumped them all onto data DVDs to to clear up hard drive space because I right. don't yeah. recall the hard drive dying with an on there. But um, so 2008 to 2010-ish, I worked on uh, worked on the film. I mean, the film the film got done fairly quickly. It took a while to get uh, the edit done, the sound the sound mix. I've, I've got 5.1 right. surround sound on there. I mean, we went through all the bells and whistles and whatnot. Uh, because you know it's a it's a romantic comedy, it's short. It's only seventy eight minutes, and, and there's nobody in it that you would ever have heard of. So you know there's nothing there to sit there and go, "Ooh, this is so and so's very first movie." I think I'll watch it. You know, there's nothing like that. So I figure, okay, we'll load it up with a bunch of extras to kind of offset and balance right, that right. and whatever. So there's there's some different. Short films on there, some behind the scenes, some photo things, and all of that. And the edit of the movie itself <laughs> between the Adobe Premiere projects, because I've gone through three different versions of Adobe Premiere through editing this thing. 
right. add After Effects because I took everything into After Effects to do all of the color correction and the mixing and the whatnot and then back out to Premiere. These files are huge. Mm-hmm. And it's a... I mean, it's done. I have a, D, I have a, a, a DVD that I could, I could master and remix and I can make copies and I can sell the copies. I, they just right, don't have sure. the, they just don't have the, the, all of the subtitles on them. Maybe I could dump the French and just call it done and, and be, be done with it. Or I well, could just sell I mean, bootleg copies out of my, out of my living room and, you know, make the copies myself. I could do that. What you do is put it, put it on everything, put it out with everything but the French subtitles. And then a few years from now, you put out a new version. Yeah. Now with French subtitles. Well, see, next it's the, it's the it's the deluxe edition. Well, next year I could put out the 15th anniversary edition of a movie that nobody's ever seen. Right. See. See, there are all these possibilities for you. That's right. All right. Speaking of possibilities, all right. So casting is part of that process where people are 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 used to seeing somebody. You you we talk about recasting. And for however we got onto the topic, the idea of talking about, you know, those those times where a character, you get used to seeing somebody play a character and then suddenly, for whatever reason, somebody else is playing that character. And it could be any number of things. Um, the, 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 the problem of the other Darren. Yeah, right. And if you're old, if you're not old enough to remember what the uh, other Darren is, by the way. A long, long time ago, I can still remember. Um, sorry, uh, there was a TV show called Bewitched, and for quite a few years on the show, one actor played the character of the the, the lead Samantha's. She's the witch. Um, her husband, but he had back problems, and it actually got in the way of filming. Ultimately, it got to be too much of an issue, and he was replaced by a different actor. And it was one of those things where the show was incredibly popular. This is the back in the days of three channels and, and PBS. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was three channels and I, and maybe not even PBS for a lot of markets um, during that time. But all of a sudden, it's a different actor who's playing the part. It's He's not actively playing the part different. He's no. just a different person playing the part, and he's a he sounds different, he looks different. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> fans were not particularly thrilled. <clears throat> and you saw it a lot on soap operas, yeah. Um, I once got into a, a, a friend of mine in college just loved, I think it was Days of Our Lives. Um I think it was Day, Days of Our Day, Lives. They Day, blur together. Dazed, dazed of Our Lives. That, dazed of Our Lives. That's, that only um, lasted a half a season. It was canceled <laughs> after 10 episodes. And and they uh, one of the actors had left the show, but they wanted to keep the character, so they recast him. And, of course, they had a kid with a ludicrous excuse. He'd, he'd been in an accident, and he had plastic surgery. Mm. And the fact that the actor, the, the new actor, was like three inches taller than the old actor sounded completely different i mean there was just <laughs> but the plastic you know, they waved it away then the original actor came back and so they figured out some weird thing where the 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 new guy was actually evil and he was you know it was just like okay whatever 
And I had sat down on for like three weeks with her when this was on going, this is stupid. You know, this is dumb. <laughs> you realize that it doesn't matter what kind of plastic surgery you have. Your voice is not going to change. It's timber and pitch. the way it's there. <laughs> She's like, shut up. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, soap operas did it all the time. They still do. Um, right. And, in, and, in and to some degree, that's, there's a, there's a, um, I don't know, it's a, uh, a conceit that it's okay. I mean, they sort of just let it, you know, mm-hmm. and fans, they, they, and I, cause I think it's, they're, they're more interested in, in the complicated storylines. And I think that's part of the, the, I guess, the charm of soap operas, if that's your thing. Yeah. Um, yes, Coronation Street is still a thing. Um, is it and still I think on? It's still, I think it's the longest running um, British television show ever. Yeah. Well, and and uh, like Dave Dave mentions in the chat, Marilyn on the Munsters was a recast. Um, they recast her. They've recast. I mean, it's not an unusual thing. It doesn't happen all the time with every show, but it does happen. And you know, the the two Darren, you know, Dick Sargent, Dick York, playing Darren on on Bewitched is probably an early one. But you know, one of the most famous recastings was James Bond. I mean, you have you have oh, Sean Connery originating the role, and then George Lazenby does a does a turn at it, and then uh, Connery comes back, and then Roger Moore comes in, and you know, and and that all, that just became a thing. It was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, it's a new actor. Well, um, and then of course on television you had, and uh, you also had that at the time, the rather shocking decision made to recast William Hartnell's role on Doctor Who. You know, I mean, the idea that the show would go on after the actor, you know, was too ill to to keep playing the part, and the the, right. the main character would just change his appearance, suddenly and became one of the the linchpins of the show's longevity. That one, I would put into its own category, though, because yes, you're recasting the role, but they came up with a way that you could do it. And you're essentially coming up with a brand new lead character because the personality, the costume, and all this other stuff is different. Right. Whereas you got like Dick Sargent, Dick York, they're playing the exact same Darren. Well, but it, the thing was is that you it, this could not this could have been a thing that didn't work. Yeah, yeah, and it, so, it could mean, have gone horribly, horribly. From the wrong. second Doctor on, it was just built. It was just baked into to what the, you know what the show was going to be. But that first time it happened. That was a very unusual thing to do to have, you know, I mean, and, and it wasn't like they just replaced the character off screen. You right. watched the character turn into a different character. So, I mean, that was, it was unusual for the time. Um, and, and so it could, it might not have worked. There's an alternate universe out there where, where people were like, Patrick Troughton. He's not my doctor, and the show is over. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and they didn't what sixty people are 60, people are like that now uh, anyway. I mean, that's well, been going know, on all I mean, the time. But except that, except that, of course, again, the the so much like we, we talked about before with with how people reacted to Star Trek: The Next Generation coming on the air mm-hmm. and the controversy of the and the issues of the first season and all that stuff. Again, even especially then, the television landscape. Um, you know, something on the, the BBC was basically it. Yeah. 
there were there were very few i don't think uh, i want to say there was one well and star trek the next generation station? next generation wasn't really a recasting though i mean it no, was no 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 but no thing. but i mean that i mean that you know the you and i talked about how the the if Star Trek The Next Generation came out now and had the same kind of rocky first season that it really oh, did have, yeah, yeah, it would have been canceled. Yeah. The studio would have sat there and went, okay, people hate it. We're done. Although, because there was so much... although well, there, there, there are quite a few people that hated Discovery, and it's, what, four seasons in so far? Sure. And I, but the thing, the thing is no that I think tapes. that we're in that landscape now that they're much more willing to go after that particular segment of an audience and whatever their equations are to determine this segment is big enough. Yeah. Whereas back then it was, you know, you, you had four or five channels and that was it, which means you had to have a 20, you know, if you didn't have 20% of the viewing audience. Yeah. You know, well, if you had twenty percent of the viewing audience, you're still getting you're still getting canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, right. You, you didn't want to be the one fifth of the audience. Yeah. So I mean, Robert mentions why you look at the. No, go ahead. I was saying it's why you look at the the viewing numbers for anything mm-hmm. anymore are significantly smaller. <laughs> um, of course, we we are we are recording this one day after uh, the Oscars and everything that went on with the Oscars last night, which I didn't watch. You know why I didn't watch I the didn't Oscars? Either. Not because I don't care about a lot of the films that got nominated. I've seen a lot of the films that got nominated. I'm very pleased to see that some won. I don't care that some others did, et cetera, et cetera. But cast your mind back, Jason, what, 15 years, 20 years? We all watched the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah. And it's not, it's not that the Oscars have fundamentally changed. I mean, they're different every year, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But when you look, I mean, it's the same thing. It's get people get up. You have a host. You have the audience. You have awards. The fundamental structure is exactly the same. Yeah. But there's other things you can watch. I've got to I've got to dip down and and get the the little rocker off of my pen because the rocker off my pen is saying so I'm just going to disappear. <laughs> Okay, so I, I've seen a couple here. Robert and and Dave both in the chat have mentioned a couple of recastings, and I want to I want to not really take issue, but I want to clarify something that we're talking about here because mm-hmm. when we're talking about recasting, at least for ton, for t- the purposes of tonight's discussion, right? Uh, there, there's there's uh, what we mean is changing the actor who is playing the same part. So not necessarily Dr. Pulaski replacing Dr. Crusher, because those are two completely different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robert mentions the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, technically, yeah, the idea was to recast Bo and Luke, but they ended up calling them Coy and Vance because, who are these right. guys? Right. So... Those aren't the kind of recastings that we're talking about. We're talking about the same character being played by a completely different actor. Um, And this can be be complicated, too, by the fact that we are in the era of the superhero movie, which really began in the 1970s. Yeah. It's just 
slow motion picking up. But look, you look at something like the character of Superman. How many people have played Clark Kent Superman since the character originated? Well, of course, you go back in time, you go back to the serials, you go back to George Reeves, you go back to Christopher Reeve, you go back to, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You get into the modern era and you get characters like Batman gets cast and recast and recast yeah. and recast. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Cast and recast and well, recast. The the thing the thing is, I mean, you look at some of this stuff, you like uh uh um Don Cheadle replacing Terrence Howard, for example, in Iron Man Two, playing the same thing. And I think to your point, it would be it would be a little bit different on the Superman thing because Christopher Reeve played Superman in those four that he was in. Mm-hmm. And then it was done. Well, Whereas you look at the bat, yeah. yeah, but you look at the Batman movies, for example, and you have Michael Keaton doing two, and then and then you know Val, Val Kilmer. Kilmer comes in, and then George Clooney, and all of those just like boom, 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 one after the other. That one I think would be a little bit more off-putting. But a lot of people compare Batman to James Bond, where you can have different play- people playing the character because Michael Keaton is not Adam West, and there was those right. comparisons that right. were made. Same uh, thing Robert, with the Spider-Man yeah, thing. With, go ahead. Real quick, Robert, yes, I know superhero movies go back to the 1930s. But the modern era of superhero films, the big blockbuster superhero films, yeah. started with Superman. Yeah. And and you have, uh, like, Brandon Routh coming in and well, playing and, Superman. And, and, and like you've talked about, that that was essentially a very expensive fan film. Brandon Routh did a great job in the part. Oh, I yeah. quite liked his portrayal. Yeah. Um, it's just he needed a better movie to be in. Probably the most wasteful recasting I can think of in in recent time was Elizabeth Shue coming in and replacing Claudia Wells as Jennifer in the Back to the Future movies. Like, Elizabeth Shue has so much more talent than what you're giving her anything to do that just... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, and same And nothing against Claudia Wells. She did a great job. But, uh. well, but I, Elizabeth Shue was also was also pretty young at the time, and and then we know that she can do a lot more than than she'd probably shown. I, yeah. I, I can't remember enough about her career at that point. Um, yeah, yes, Christopher um, Michael J. Fox replacing Eric Stoltz, but that's an example of something that you see in production where you cast somebody and they're just not right, wrong. Stuart Townsend was was going to play Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings films, and you think about Stuart Townsend. Was it Stuart Townsend? I'm not sure. I want to say it was Stuart Townsend. Um, and the idea that he was going to play Aragorn, you think about that and you go, "What really? Him?" And he may have. And 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 if it had worked out, we'd sit there and go, "Well, yeah, Stuart Townsend. He was amazing as Aragorn." Yeah. But he he didn't, and so we end up getting. Oh, some some guy. I don't know. Some 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 no name actor who stepped into the role. Oh, wait, some no. Viking guy or no. something. Um. So I mean, it's and that uh, the director has left the film due to creative differences. Well, sometimes the actor leaves the film because of no. creative differences. Uh, well, uh, another one like that, Genevieve Bujold, who was the original oh, sure. Catherine Janeway. 
mm-hmm. and uh, in Star Trek Voyager, and they actually shot, I think, what a day, a uh, right. day and a half, and it just everybody looked at it and went, "No, this isn't working." And and then they, I mean, Kate Mulgrew was kind of happenstance, an ac- a happy accident going in there trying to figure out uh, all, all of all of this. So, well, how do you think about? I mean the. Again, we look at the alternate universe of, of casting. Uh, Yafet Koto almost was Jean-Luc Picard. And, you know, he was offered the role and he turned it down. And, and you know, Gene Roddenberry didn't want um, Patrick Stewart to play the part. Yeah. So you look at, you know, the, the again, there's there's that alternate universe <laughs> <laughs> where the show, I, and I, and I kind of want to see them. Like, I kind of want to see the Eric Stoltz Back to the Future because it would be a completely different movie because Eric Stoltz has a different style. He can oh, be funny. I'm I'm gonna it, I'm gonna allow it style. Be, because Chris Christopher and people people may not know this. <clears throat> Eric Stoltz is still in Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. There's sure. one shot in the diner. There's one shot where you're looking over Marty's shoulder at Biff. There's one shot, and it's Eric Stoltz as Marty in the foreground. You can't tell it's him, but if you pay attention very, very, very closely, there's one shot of Biff with the blinds behind him and all that. The framing is just slightly different from all of the other shots from that angle, and it's and it's the Eric Stoltz shot. And I and I I know there's a story behind it. I've read the story behind it, but I can't remember. Um, I can't remember why, he, why why they why they kept that shot. I want to say oh, that that okay, was the okay. only one that they had uh, because either they didn't. I've I've done that. I was like, oh, I don't have a shot of that line, and had to go back in for pickups. But uh, and that that was a pain in the neck. <laughs> I've got I've got more than one film where it's not the the those hands don't belong to the person that I'm trying to convince you they belong to. Right. Right. So I had I had you know, on on my on my rom com I had a scene. They had a date. This is the beginning of the of the movie. They had a date. We shot it down at sure. uh, at uh, uh, Union Station, down at the train station there, the mm-hmm. restaurant. Right. <clears throat> and I'm getting. I got the master shot, with the two of them. Mm-hmm. I got all his stuff. I got all her stuff, but I've got one line of hers that I didn't get in a close up. And I had to go back and shoot it. Mm-hmm. But she changed her hair color. And instead uh-huh. of red, it was now black. Pitch black. Blacker than night black. And I thought, okay, I'll work with it. So I shot it. Took it into After Effects. Drew a mask around her head. Because fortunately she had a hairstyle that didn't move. Right, right. So I just mask around the hair and colored the hair to match the other shot. It's a very, very, very quick shot. That took a week. Because <laughs> you got a rotoscope. Because every time she mm-hmm. moves, anything, even even though the hair doesn't move, she moves in the shot. You got to track it all. Right. I have a I have a uh, a shot in a film that we actually. We shot the scene in winter, 
uh, down in the plaza mm-hmm. down here in Kansas City, and with two actors, and it was very cold. Winter. Got into the edit and discovered that, for whatever reason, the shots would just go in and out of focus every now and again. Huh. And so it's like, okay. And, you know, there's all these things you can do in editing to kind of try and make it a little bit sharper. <laughs> and, you know, right. and eventually you're just like, I can't do anything about it. So you go, okay, I need to reshoot the scene. It's now summer. Our character is dressed in winter clothes. Yeah. My actor also had a different hairstyle. He just had, he had a different haircut at that point. It was close enough that the that the wide shots the 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 I had several shots that were far away across yeah. the street really to just give the sort of the isolation of these two characters, and so those could still work because you couldn't see his hair in detail. Mm-hmm. But that meant I had to reshoot every single bit of his footage, all new. I couldn't I couldn't keep any any of the stuff that was still in focus. That was fine. I had, it all had to be reshot. So he is dressed in winter clothing down to his waist. He's wearing <laughs> shorts and flip-flops because it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> and um and we pulled it off and and I the only people who know that it's there are the people who worked on the film and when I point it out. It's like, yeah, that was shot in yeah. June. <laughs> I had I had one one time where I was I was getting everything done and then I was going back into doing insert shots and little establishing shots and that kind of thing, and <clears throat> I had to, I had a shot of a building that was going to be my main character's where he works his office mm-hmm. right, but we shot everything main main part of the project was shot in October, where we still have stu- you know we still have leaves on the trees and everything else right. by the time right. i got to this insert march uh, insert shot it was march all the trees are dead and bare and uh, okay now what do i do so i went and i created a miniature unit for the film mm-hmm. and went and got a couple of railroad you know model railroad trees mm-hmm and attached them to dowel rods and planted the dowel rods in the ground. And, and I've got trees in front of the building where I'm shooting. So I'm shooting the building through the trees in the park. <laughs> and right. it works. And nobody and ever works. is the wiser. Right. So. Well, and, and, and of course, uh, Robert dropping in there. Um, uh, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Robert just said the James Bond. Yeah, it's Casino Royale. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yes, the the uh, Marty Mc, the, the the McFly, um, George McFly, yeah, the Chris Glover thing. Um, that was an example of, and we and we saw this with. Uh, well, there's some what there's still some debate about the exact reasons behind that, right? I mean, because Glover said that he, they said that he asked for too much money, and he said that that it wasn't that, and and it was this. He felt that he wasn't getting paid enough, but it wasn't a question of too much money; it was a question yeah. of you guys aren't giving me enough money, um, which is a, which is a, there's a distinction, by the way. <laughs> well, and I think part of it too, uh, you look at you look at Crispin Glover's personality off camera, oh, and yes, I wonder a, how much that might have had to do with it too, because the the his his idiosyncrasies, shall we say, 
might have made him a little difficult to work with. I, I, I'm, oh, I'm yes. speculating on that part. I'm assuming that that might be the case, given some of the stories that we've heard from other shoots. Sure. Um, so, and and that's one of the reasons why when you see older uh, George McFly in Back to the Future Two, a lot of times he's upside down to help hide the fact that you've got a different person playing the part. Of course, heavy mm -hmm. heavy age makeup and all that other stuff. Right. So, you know, it's just one of those things where these things happen. Now, when you don't notice it, it works. Michael mm -hmm. Chambon as as Dumbledore, you know, replacing uh, replacing um, Richard Harris. But well, that I was think, necessitated you know, was, because Harris yeah. died. Well, and I think that that was that was a question that was a th I th and I think to some degree fans can often be more forgiving of that when it's a character that that they know it has to continue on for yeah. the story. Michael Gambon, the actor, the actor hasn't been able to continue on because they've died. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, because Richard Harris's Dumbledore, Michael Gambon's uh, Dumbledore, are two different characters. They share the name and they share the clothing, the dress sense, and the hairstyle. Yeah, but they're two different characters. And it's, but I think I think fans are willing to forgive that sort of stuff when it becomes a necessity. Mm -hmm. I think that they're they're talking about bringing, you know, we're talking about getting another uh, um, uh, alternate timeline Star Trek movie coming out, and the idea that they would do that without having a checkoff, to some degree, you know, Anton Yelchin's death makes you want to not recast that role, yeah, understandably, but at the same time. If you're going to do that another film with that cast there's almost that temptation as as a storyteller if it, if it were me oh yeah I no almost, question you you'd put Chekhov in there yeah because it's because it's the opportunity if you're going to tell those stories you want to have him that character be part of that cast you don't necessarily want to push him off the, the enterprise to go get him off to SETI Alpha's the thing you know, is, except except they've already done the con story, so the, it's like yeah, you, know, you right. can't even do that. The reason now, the reason that I would put Chekhov in there would not work with the Kelvin timeline cast because Chris Pine is too young, and mm. his promotion from cadet who hasn't graduated to captain of the flagship was just stupid beyond all get out. But don't disagree with the original cast. The age difference between Kirk and Chekhov. Not necessarily Shatner and Koenig, but Kirk and Chekhov. If there was that father-son mentor Padawan type of relationship mm -hmm. that you got, because you know Chekhov's fresh out of the academy, he's eager and he's ready to go, full of juice, all that. Da -da 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 -da. And Kirk sees a lot of potential in him because we see this with Bailey in right. the in in uh, uh, the Corbomite maneuver, you know, and mm -hmm. and McCoy is ribbing him and saying, "Well, maybe you're maybe you feel like you promoted him too quickly. I mean, he's he's not he's not able to handle this." Mm -hmm. And so Kirk is looking for those officers that he can shepherd into a a really strong, successful career, and he sees something in Chekhov that he can nurture. Same as with Sulu, Chris Pine. Kirk doesn't have that. Well, I think that I think that the that that is a series that, and again, you see this happen, and it, it's too little, too late. 
by the time they made start uh the, the third film um i thought they finally got the tone and the performances and all that's all the stuff they that that were either wrong yeah. or not quite right or getting there in the first two films um i think they really kind of hit that stride in the third film which was the film that did the smallest box office and we had the hiatus with the amount of time in between that film and this film um and hopefully mm-hmm. um you know a good script and and all the things you want out of a film out of any kind of story right yeah um they'll get it it'll 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 be a better thing but it's it's a i mean that's a challenging one that and that's that's also the kind of recasting where i mean that the the original cast had stopped doing the stories and going back in time and recasting those characters you know again we it's what you see with superhero movies right so you just don't necessarily at the time it was like we're recasting star trek yeah which i still um, think was a mistake but you know what do i know nobody asked me <clears throat> Well, you know, I mean, how, how for for all the complaints we can have about about the first two films, again, I like quite. I thought the third one was actually pretty good. I um, I still haven't seen it. I haven't seen Into Darkness. I haven't seen Beyond. And and I I'm, I say I think I can I still sleep. You would at night. Prob- I think you would probably enjoy Star Trek Beyond most of the time. <laughs> there there would be scenes where you would sit there and go, ugh. But I think I think you would enjoy I think you would enjoy it most of the time. Yeah. I I will continue to maintain that um, there is a really really interesting story in Star Trek Into Darkness, and then they decided that they needed to have Khan in it. It's like oh, <coughs> Star Trek Into Darkness. It, from everything that I read about Star Trek Into Darkness, it is Diane Duane's book Dreadnought. There's a lot of dreadnought in there. Okay, I, I read that book. I know how that turns out. I. Uh, um. It, well, you know. So, complete aside to what we're talking about, the really <laughs> neat story in at, at the core of Star Trek into, into Darkness, which could have been a movie. It should have been the story all along. It should yeah. have not had anything to do with with Khan. Is the idea that there's some members of Starfleet who think that since the war is coming mm-hmm. with the Klingon Empire, we need to just start it, do the surprise attack, strike first. You know, it's... it's we start it so we can control it and finish it. Millions and millions will die. Yeah. But it could be worse, so let's, let's do it now. And... And Star Trek has dealt with these kinds of characters within the classic series, within the next generation, within Deep Space Nine. They've dealt with this idea of of that part of Starfleet that is willing to cost innocent lives Mm -hmm. to meet a goal. And that is a big part of Star Trek Into Darkness. That should have been the entire story. Is the crew of the Enterprise going against Peter Weller's Weller's Admiral, who his argument is wrong, but he he's he believes in the argument. Yeah. So and of course it's Peter Weller who's sitting going sure, and he and he looks at Kirk and says he calls him son a lot, 
<laughs> and and it and it actually works. That should have been the entire story. Khan is Benedict Cumberbatch could be in the movie. He could play a part. He, he could play John Harrison. He could have played John Harrison, right? There's <coughs> there's just so much grafting of Space Seed onto that story yeah. and so much attempting to make it the Wrath of Khan of the series that it it loses the fact there's actually a solid underpinning to the story. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? You, okay, whatever. Yeah, you guys made your choices. They're wrong. It, it okay. Just, so back to re, back to recasting. <laughs> back to recasting. Sometimes, okay, we talk about some. You know, sometimes the actor dies and you have to recast. And I think that's one of the things. One of the hangups. You know, you talk about Anton Yelton, but also you look at uh, Black Panther, where mm-hmm. you have now. What do you do with T'Challa? And they've mm-hmm. made the decision that they're not going to recast that part. And to me, I think that's a mistake. I think that Black Panther is important enough of a character in the Marvel pantheon of characters that you need to have Black Panther. You need to have T'Challa in there for a while at least to to give the character some legs and some and some legacy so that when somebody else does become the next Black Panther it means something. So I would agree with you if we'd gotten maybe one or two more films. The fact that we only got one Black Panther film the character had appeared in other films, right? Right. But the fact that we'd only gotten the one film, I can understand why they would have made that decision. First of all, um, to you know, the fact that going into production so soon after his death yeah. is, I think, really... If they're going to stick to their schedule, they kind of, they're kind of boxed into a... Well, there's they box themselves in there right but but i think that they really um enable them to um because the black panther although although the, for the majority of comic book readers it's t'challa black panther is a legacy character it's a legacy character in the comics yeah he's he's the legacy he's the like the the version that we are are familiar with because he's the current version right so I, the and of course the Marvel Cinematic Universe has enabled because it's not following the comics in the same way and a large part of it is pulling from the Ultimate line. Mm-hmm. By the way, it, you will know you will know the era of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is coming to an end if they feel compelled to do the Ultimatum portions <laughs> of the Marvel Ultimate line. Because that's where the that's there's a reason the Marvel, Marvel the Marvel Ultimate line isn't around anymore. Well, you know, six one six isn't around anymore either. They merged it all into this mishmash of whatever. But the the you know it, mm, yeah. there's there's so many there were so many you know they they had this idea <laughs> and they did it. We we may have to we may have to examine some comic book events that didn't quite play the way they were supposed to at some point maybe. I mean, the, the we got some we got some interesting characters out of out of the Ultimate line, and a mm-hmm. lot of the a lot of the early parts of the Ultimate line really did inform the Marvel modern Marvel 
cinematic universe. So much of what we are, we are people who are not comic book readers know about these superheroes is inspired by, heavily influenced by the ultimate line. No. Parts of it really, really worked. We wouldn't have characters like Miles Morales if we didn't have the ultimate line. And Into the Spider-Verse, it's a great pick. Right. I mean, that's so much fun. But um, speaking of Marvel, there was a, a recasting there because you go from sure. Edward Norton to Mark Ruffalo. And I don't know, people, people may not be aware that Norton's Hulk is part of the MCU. That is, right. that is, it was the second movie out from Iron Man. And there was a, uh, there was a, a scene at the end, you know, mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark shows up. It was the, it was the beginning of all of this. And, and the, yeah, that's, that's MCU stuff. And you've got the same Bruce Banner being recast with Mark Ruffalo. And this is another example of of something going on behind the scenes, which which drove the casting change. Edward Norton is a very talented guy. However, yeah, there's a lot of indication that he's uh, difficult to work with, and he seems to like to rewrite the scripts as the film goes along. <laughs> yeah, and <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, as a writer. <laughs> as a director and as an editor yeah let me explain no and and, and Ro- no robert asks about edward norton's being being a sony flick no none of the hulk movies have been sony uh the hulk is universal and Ooh. that's also one of the reasons why the hulk has not gotten a solo film he's only available in ensemble pictures because Universal still owns the distribution rights to solo Hulk movies. And Dave, yeah, Eric Bana was the Hulk, but that particular Hulk movie was not part of the MCU. That happened. It was a one-off. It didn't do as well as they thought it did. And they've restarted. Iron Man restarted everything. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was like one of those things where it's like, well, that didn't work. We'll just forget it ever happened. It's like Green Lantern, mm-hmm. uh, which was supposed to be part of the DCEU and then wasn't, <laughs> but, uh, was. <coughs> but yeah, uh, the, the Hulk movies are universal and that even goes back to the Bill Bixby Lou Ferrigno days because mm-hmm. Universal, the NBC of- Universal had it back then. Right, because, and, and this is, it started, so it started in the 80s and then really became a big issue in the 90s when Marvel was in financial trouble. Yeah. And they had to, they basically were licensing their, their products out to anybody who would give them the money. And which means that it was, the fact that we have a Marvel Cinematic Universe involving as many of these characters <laughs> as they do yeah. is kind of amazing because at this point, well, okay. Most of the, most of the characters are back in house. I mean, now right. that now that Disney owns 20th Century Fox, mm-hmm. you've got all of those characters too. So really, the Spider Verse, the Spider Man characters over at Sony, and you've got Hulk at Universal, and the last I heard, Namor was at Universal still as well. And if he's reverted so. back, because we keep hearing he's the bad guy in in this new Black Panther movie. I I, think, I can't find 
whether or not Namor's rights have reverted back. I'm going to assume they have, because if, they, if they're able to use him, they, they must have at least some of the rights back. I think, so I think, it, and I'm, pro- I'm probably wrong, but I thought it was something similar to the same kind of deal with the Hulk, is that Namor could be in an, in, uh, in an ensemble picture. No. but couldn't have his own solo. That picture. could be too. I don't know. And I'm, Spe- I may be wrong. I'm, 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 it's... Stan Lee tells the story because he's talking about Universal making the TV show with Bill Bixby. Stan Lee tells the story that when they were doing that, it was it was a very successful television show. It was a very popular run, and it was it was considered a, a big success. And they said, "You know what's going to happen." They're going to want a girl Hulk. Mm-hmm. We'd better make her before Universal does because Universal will then own the character and we won't. So that's where this, that's where She-Hulk came from, Jennifer Walters, mm-hmm. Bruce Banner's right. cousin. It was and a really, preemptive you, move. And if you look at the early, uh, the early appearances of She-Hulk, it was just that. It was essentially it was, mm-hmm. it was Bruce Banner as a girl. Yeah. Um, and except a, a lawyer, not a scientist. I mean, that was, that yeah. was kind of the, but, um, the, the, you know, the fact that so much of this stuff actually co- uh, links together now. Um, but when you come in, when you, you know, come in to this giant thing that the Marvel universe has become, um, and then you look at the first Iron Man film and you look at who's, you know, you look at Rhodey. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the second Iron Man film, and you look at Rhodey. Who was actually, Don Cheadle was the first choice. And for whatever reason, he wasn't available, and then went with Terrence Howard instead. And that turned out to be less than optimal for everybody involved, so mm-hmm. they went back with their first choice. They said, hey, Don. And I and I, I think Terrence Howard, I, I've seen Terrence Howard, Terrence Howard be really, really good in some things. Yeah. Um, he, he's... <clears throat> I, uh, he's not my favorite actor, but I've seen him do really, really fine work. So, I mean, it's and and I think he's okay in the first Iron Man film. He doesn't but get a whole lot a to choice, do. Given a choice between the the two of them, and no and no offense to Terrence Howard fans. Yeah. So, you know, I just personally like Don Cheadle better as an actor. Yeah. And I think there's there's something about the way he can deliver a line. With finding the humor in in difficult situations mm-hmm. without making it be um, too flippant. Yeah, there, he's he's got. I mean, he's he's just got a really, I think, perfect ability to just find that, that right tone. Dry he's, wit. He's a fine, fine actor. So I mean, and I think that I think that the this was a recasting that definitely improved yeah. the character going forward. Here, here's um, but, here's a recasting that didn't improve the character going forward. Rachel Wise being replaced by Maria Bello in the third oh. Mummy movie. So look, no, and now, I like, uh, now, I like Maria, Maria Bello's Bello great too. actress, talented, no question. Just not not here. She, oh, she's and, and and again, no no fault of her own. Based on I mean, okay, guys, if you've seen the film. It's the weakest movie. It's okay. Of the three. It's okay. Yeah, I mean it's Michelle okay. Yeoh's in it, so. Well, and it's it's an interesting premise, but it's not actually a mummy movie. Right. 
it's a rollicking adventure period adventure well, film, and there's nothing wrong with that. Chinese mummy. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, you've got the 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 terracotta warriors stuff. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do another mummy movie, go go to South America. Yeah. Were you actually another mummy? You had another mummy. A different, other kind what of was that? Go. What was that? I was seeing that they have an idea, and there was there was talk here not too long ago because Brendan Fraser has has resurged. He's mm-hmm. he's back, right? You know, everybody everybody loves Brendan now. Everybody loves Fraser, and um, he's there was there was a there was talk because there was a fourth movie mm-hmm. idea. And I think it did. I think they did go to South America in this one, because well, it, it went it, back it with Evie's sense. Evie's brother apparently. Because mm-hmm. in the in the third movie, there's a mention that brother is going to South America, and I think they were setting it up, and the and the concept was there. They had the idea all the way back when they did these that right. they were going to do a fourth one and and then the third one didn't do very well and the studio said now we're not going to do it but if you can imagine getting the original cast back oh it'd be great yeah i would i would, I would i'd love to see it I, I think that i mean rachel weiss made the right decision she decided not to do it because she didn't particularly care for the script and this is this is allowed when you're an actor. You're allowed to sit there and go, "I don't want to." This, uh, this script is not making me excited. So um, now, you know, the, for as much as I think a lot of people thought these films were were pretty silly, because mm-hmm. they're they're just they're they're meant to be fun. The the Tom Cruise mummy film, I think, really. It helped people appreciate what they'd got yeah. with the Brendan Fraser, Rich Weiss movies, <laughs> yeah. because it's like, oh, we didn't realize how good we had it with some with some fun stuff going on here. This was these were entertaining movies. Yeah. So this is this is giant freaking robot. Uh, uh, Mindy had the link to Inside the Magic, which links back to Giant Freaking Robot, which is where it started. Uh, while we were unable to confirm whether Universal still has their original idea on the table, what's known about it could be a solid starting place for what they do in the sequel. The Mummy 4 was reportedly to be titled The Mummy Rise of the Aztec. The original mm-hmm. intention was for Antonio Banderas to play the villain opposite Brendan Fraser's Rick O'Connell. The movie would see the entire O'Connell clan travel to South America not many other details are known, but the villain is expected to be another undead character like those Fraser has faced off against in sure. the past. I I would watch I would watch Brendan Fraser as Rick O'Connell again. I would watch Brendan Fraser as Rick O'Connell again, going up against an Antonio Banderas villain. Right. Make it happen. You still could. You still could. There are, and I think I think Rachel Weisz would come back. I, well, I would think that it, you know, there's the enough nostalgia factor. I think I think it could come back because, especially since she just did Black Widow, she still got the action chops as far as being able to you know to handle the physicality of something like that. I mm-hmm. I I would be all for it. So, what's your opinion about the casting of Delroy Lindo as Mr. Nancy and Nancy Boys, um, as opposed to bringing back Orlando Jones? 
Um, so it is set in the American Gods universe. But I'll tell you what, uh, the Anansi Boys book is enough of a departure from in tone from American Gods. Anansi Boys is is if you don't know it's set in the same universe, yeah. If you've never read American Gods, you don't need to read the American Gods to read Anansi Boys, or vice versa. Well, and they're not they're producing so... the TV show as part of the same universe either, are they? Right. Well, no, they're not. Um, no. But the thing is, is that they're so different in tone that I actually would quite enjoy. See, I, I really liked Orlando Jones in the role. Um, so I'm, I would love to see him, but I really like the, the idea of Delroy Lindo playing the part. I have Just, to wonder, I, too, if they didn't cast Orlando Jones because of what Orlando Jones did. So I'm sure that I'm sure that the the and, and again this is the this is a topic for another show getting into yeah. the that's 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 another topic is how actors leave shows for <laughs> reasons yeah um, but uh, yeah so Orlando Jones um, you know kind of depending depending on whose story you want to go with um, he was no longer involved with American Gods for reasons um, so yeah I'm sure that that had something that factored into it but I mean it's one of those things where if you part of the problems American Gods had as a TV show is that it also never really generated a big enough audience. I quite liked the first season of yeah. American Gods. I thought that they were doing a pretty good job of adapting the book. And I think that it was cast well. There was some interesting stuff going on. Um, but it also did something that I don't. Look, <laughs> I like it when you can basically take the time to tell a story that you can you know, in a novel. If you've got a novel, if you can do it as a 10 episode series or an eight episode series or a six episode series, this often gives you the opportunity to go into the depth of the story that you can't get in an hour and a half to our adaptation. I like that idea. And Neil Gaiman has done a really remarkable job. He's built an entire career about building these rich stories that often really benefit from having time to tell those stories and get the details. And so it's why you can get things like Good Omens or The Sandman and things like that. And and you've got these series, right? They're they're you know they might only be six episodes long or ten episodes long or whatever. Right. But you've got time to tell the story. You didn't need as many seasons of American Gods to tell the story. Two. You need two seasons, folks. Two. Two and done. <clears throat> Soapbox over there. <laughs> so I just got a text message. <clears throat> and I'm not quite sure. It says, and I quote, Breaking news alert, Dr. Oz, and then it has a link. I got that earlier. <laughs> like, hold on. It's um, spam. I don't think this is something that I want to click on. No, <laughs> don't, Jason. I'm not Jason, going to. I'm not do going not to. touch the shiny red button. I'm, I'm deleting and blocking. That's, that's... Do not shut, touch the shiny red <laughs> candy-like button. Well, and you know, you know, this comes 
after Google wanted my phone number to verify me before that it was me when I tried to log into my drive on my other my other account because I hadn't done it in a while. And they said, well, just to make sure it's you, we've sent a verification to your email address. So here's the code. Go to your email and do it. Okay, I did. So I go to my email and I pull the code up and I put the code in. Okay, okay. that's me. I've proved I'm me. And then they ask me for my phone number. I'm like, I don't I just verified that it's me. You sent me the code. I put the code in. It's me. Welcome welcome to my entire last week because after, for those of you folks who don't know, my computer crashed again. I have to get a new computer. And I had to, re- I had to roll it back to over a month ago uh, <laughs> to get it even, even run. I've spent, that's, that's been my entire week is every time I open something up again for the first time since that happened. Right. It's like, I'm sorry. Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure you're you? Right. Well, then that's okay. Yeah. I've had, I've had three different, uh, someone attempting to log to change my password in Facebook three different times (laughs) over the last two days. It wasn't me. I promise. Why anyone would want to get my Facebook account is just like, really guys, they want to prevent you from doing the Halloween photo spam ever again. Okay, they. I, I will not be stopped. <laughs> you cannot. You cannot stop. You can't stop the signal, folks. That's right. Um, well, we are going to stop the signal for now, but um, let's let's do this. If you have a casting that you think really works or doesn't really work, and and why, uh, let us know in the comments or send us an email h two o at sci fi for me dot com. And I'm sure we could revisit this again oh, yeah. because we, we didn't we, even get to the emperor. To you know, in mm-hmm. in Star Wars, in McDermott was not the first person to play the emperor. The first emperor was played by a woman, right? And and Rachel and Dawes a different voice. In, so Rachel Dawes in in the in the Nolan Batman films. Yep. And quite frankly, um, I think Maggie Glennon-Hall did a better job. I think you know she brought more to the character because and and no offense no offense to Katie Holmes but the first Katie Holmes is Rachel Dawes in the first Batman film mm-hmm. is a lady who stands there. Well, I think the other part of that is Katie Katie Holmes has <coughs> Katie Holmes is one of these performers who has perpetual baby face. She looks younger than she is. I mean, it was it's like Tom, Tom Cruise syndrome. You know, Tom Cruise mm-hmm. always looked 20 until he was 56. And suddenly it's like, wait, Tom Cruise got older. Yeah, you have certain actors, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they don't look like they get older until they're older. And I think Katie Holmes is one of those. Because you look at her and you go, she doesn't really look old enough to be a grown-up contemporary you know a, a, an equal to bruce and, you know, and she's maggie gyllenhaal and, does and she's a, she's in her what she's in her 40s now third late 30s early 40s at this like point. she's yeah. got kids yeah she's and she up. still looks like that and she still looks like <laughs> yeah. that kristen crook is mm-hmm. the same way you know mm-hmm. it, it, it's like are these people ever going to what are they what are they you know and it and then you start thinking of those conspiracy theories and those well, and, those and, and stories and you, you hear about hollywood and it but, it, but at the same time, it's it's this is the thing that for a lot of a lot of actresses, 
can be a real benefit in terms of longevity because of course there's right. long been we've we've long known the fact that that once actresses get beyond a certain age hollywood goes oh no you're you're 42 now you can't play <laughs> someone's mother yeah you're you're not it's like wait a minute <laughs> i i recall the first time well when when I saw Molly Ringwald was playing a mother, I knew that we had crossed the Rubicon. I was like, oh, I'm that old now, am I? <clears throat> Fine. I, I tell you what, Jason, the, one of the, for all the, and of course, going, going back and watching this film just because of all the different people who are in the movie. It's what, not another teen movie? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, dumb movie lowbrow humor just really really meant you know pushing pushes the border for uh you know just gross a lot of the time mm -hmm. um but there's a lot of it that actually is really funny in terms of looking at that era of kind of teen comedy it, you know and, and poking fun of it when molly ringwald shows up at the end as molly ringwald and may and basically here's i've brought the meta commentary um and she is just so perfectly a molly ringwald character being molly ringwald in this universe and i was just like okay this is almost genius almost genius this works so well because the look of disgust on her face yeah. when the wrong when the the girl picks the wrong guy. She's like, ah. <laughs> All right. Great. Well, we will leave it at that. If you would like to get in touch with us, various different ways you can do that. We're on 10 different social media platforms, four different video platforms. We do invite you to sign up for our newsletter. You can do that in our show notes, or you can go over to sci-fi4me.com and sign up there. And if you're so inclined to throw a little coin our way, there's a couple of ways you can do it. There's a PayPal tip jar and the Subscribestar account. And we will likely be back next week for number 297. We only got, let's see, 7, 8, 9, 10. We only got four left. Four left. We, 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 have to do something, we have to do something big for 300, right? We get cake. We're not do we do we review 300? The cake, the cake will not be a lie. That is <laughs> then we get cake for 300. Yes, we could review 300. We could we could do we could do We I could mean, we could review. I see I've never seen it. <clears throat> really? Yeah, I it's just been one of those uh, Zack Snyder cuz I saw Sucker Punch. And I thought, uh, eh. Okay, you know what? That's actually not a that's actually not a bad day because quite frankly um while it is his wildly historically inaccurate and you don't go in thinking that it is, I right. mean, it's just, it's not that kind of movie. It's a really interesting film. And for all of my issues with a lot of Zack Snyder's movies, <laughs> um, I, I think it's well done. It's a well-crafted picture. Isn't it and based on the graphic novel? Didn't yeah, it? Yeah, okay. It's, Cause it's, I haven't read Frank, that either. Cause Frank I mean, Miller. Frank Miller, and again, it's another example. Of, it, was, it was like toward the tail end of Frank Miller being really, really good before mm -hmm. he kind of got. Yeah, Frank, Frank are, you, are you okay, Frank? Blink <laughs> if you're okay, Frank. Um, so yeah, yeah, unfortunately, you know. But no, I mean, it's 
Maybe we'll Especially do Especially considering you've never seen it. Yeah, we, we should, should do, we that. Should do we'll, a little we'll screening do of that. We'll, that we'll yeah. do 300 for 300. There we go. <laughs> we have a plan. Four weeks out. All right, that's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks very much for being here, all of you in the chat. Thanks for your thoughts and comments. And again, if you've got any ideas for topics that we can discuss, sure. or if you've got feedback, you can send us an email, leave a comment. And we will do this all again next week, assuming that the computers cooperate and uh, and civilization doesn't collapse in the meantime. So that's going to do it for us. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2022, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 